Well, welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine, and I'm the lead pastor. It's so good to have you with us today. We're so honored to have you, however you're joining us today, whether you're in one of our Gather homes or whether you're watching online. Welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're watching online, go ahead and if you're watching on social media, like, comment, talk to us a little bit down there in the comments, share it if you can, uh, or subscribe if you're watching on one of those platforms. Hey guys, we're just honored to have you today. If you're new to the gathering, I want you to know that you are in the right place. At this church, we are hope dealers, gospel bringers, community creators. We are doing everything that we can to help people move down a simple pathway to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We are in a season right now of getting back into physical community a little bit out of time today as mikey said signups are starting for life groups and if you're not so sure yet about getting together in person with people in a large group we understand and i believe that life groups are a great option for you at life groups you can join a smaller group or life group leaders can set those limits low and a lot of those groups are going to be meeting outside in yards patios decks and and, uh, and so it's a great opportunity to start to get some face-to-face -face interaction with people, to get into real community with people again in a safe way. You know, we really believe that life change happens in the context of community. And so I hope that you'll sign up for a life group. Guys, listen, those groups are going to fill up fast. And so if you haven't yet, go and sign up for a life group right now. Signups are live on our website, gatherashville.org. Well, we're also in 21 days of prayer. And yesterday we had our first public gathering in five months, a prayer gathering, which I think is the absolute best way to get back together, and it's such an honor to be able to do that, to be God's people and be able to pray together. If you weren't able to join us this past Saturday, I'd love to invite you to join us next Saturday. We'll be wrapping up 21 days of prayer next Saturday with a live prayer service, and we would love to be able to pray with you. We're taking every necessary precaution that we can. We don't have childcare at these prayer services. We're requiring masks at these prayer services. But guys, I promise you, it is worth it. You are going to want to be a part of that. And so come and join us for prayer. Well, right now we are in week three of a series called Choose Joy. We really needed to do a series called Choose Joy this year. If ever there was a year where joy was not going to happen unless we chose it, it was 2020. We, we have been talking over the last couple of weeks about joy because it's been a hard year for joy. When your circumstances stink, joy isn't usually the first thing that comes to mind. But in Isaiah 61.3, it says that Jesus would come to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God wants to replace your mourning for joy today. We can still have joy in a season where our world is crumbling around us, but it is going to be a choice that we have to make. We've got to choose joy. 
And to choose joy, we've got to make a few other choices that we're outlining in this series. And so in the first week, we talked about the choice to choose prayer, the daily choice to wake up and pray because our prayer life is directly connected to the, to the fruit of joy being reproduced in our life. And last week, we talked about choosing freedom because you can't be guilty and have joy at the same time. So if you missed either of those messages, I really encourage you to go check them out either on our podcast or check them out on our uh, video page on the website and watch those and tune in, get caught up. This week, I want to talk about a choice that has really been on my heart a lot over the last few months. Our message is called Choose to One Another. Choose to One Another. And I'll explain exactly what I mean by that, but really, our message today is about people. People. And how we treat people and how we see people and how we relate to people. You know, at the gathering, people are our passion. We really genuinely want people to feel seen and cared for and welcomed and wanted and loved at this place. We want people to find belonging and hope and freedom and purpose here. And so that, that's been happening at our church, you know, and that's been one of our heartbeats has been people since the very beginning. And many times over since we've started, we've seen people from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, discover purpose and start making a difference. And it's really been great. But over these last few months, we really haven't been able to see a lot of people. And I think that's affected the way that we think about people and the way that we interact with people, and the way that we feel about people. I think that during this pandemic, our time apart has made it harder for us to empathize or understand or care about people who aren't like us. And if we want to choose joy, we are going to have to learn how to choose joy in a world that is full of people. People are an inevitability. You are going to have people in your life for the rest of your life. And so choosing joy means choosing joy in a world full of people, which means that we're going to have to make some choices about that. It's, I understand that it's been hard in this season. The pandemic has bred division and frustration and bitterness between people. There was a story in the news this week, and I feel like these are becoming more and more common this guy was walking down the street in New York City and he flicked a cigarette butt. And when he flicked his cigarette butt, it hit somebody. And that started an argument between the two of them. I'm not saying either one of them was in the right, but the guy who was hit by the cigarette butt shot the man to death who flicked it. More and more in the news, we're seeing stories of people reacting with rage and frustration and bitterness over things that start small. Maybe that, that hasn't got to that kind of extremes in your heart, but maybe you can relate on a lesser level. Maybe things that you used to let roll off your shoulders are now starting an internet war for you every time you log on to Facebook. Maybe for you, you're, you're at the throats of family members that you're not usually around in a season of quarantine. Maybe you're having a hard time getting along with the people you are around every day during the season of quarantine. I think tension between people is getting higher and higher every day. The more we socially distance from people, the more we emotionally distance from them as well. And the more stressed we get during this crisis, the more we are reacting out of that stress 
and anger and frustration. And I think we're really struggling with people. I think we're struggling with people for a few different reasons. I think we're struggling with people because people think differently than me. And this is hard. And this is the biggest problem relating to people. So many people think differently than I do. Did you know that some people wake up in the morning, make a nice big plate of eggs, and cover it in ketchup? Gross. Did you know that every single day there are people who wake up in the morning and don't drink a single drop of coffee? Just go on about their day recklessly. Do you know, do you know that there's people that choose tea over coffee? Did you know that every single football season there are people around you wearing colors that for some reason spark rage in your heart? You see, there are people that think differently than me everywhere I go, and it's starting to become a problem. Here's what I've noticed. There is no point in history where all people have all bought into the same school of thought. Even in one subculture, one, one group of people who may seem to be like-minded, you have two or three differing opinions on just about everything. I mean, we disagree on whether Popeye's or Chick-fil-A has a better chicken sandwich. We disagree on whether superhero movies are either awesome or annoying. We disagree on what is and isn't moral. We disagree on whether or not something I say or do is offensive or should be offensive or can be offensive. We disagree on politics and anything that could fall into that category. See, it's normal for people to have different worldviews. Our experiences, our beliefs, the people who've influenced us build our worldview. And since those things are different for every person, so is the way that we see the world. Now, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, our goal is to grow to see the world through His worldview and to begin to see it the way God sees it. But the reality is that for some of us, that takes a while. And then there are lots of areas of life that just aren't covered in Scripture. There are a lot of gray areas. And so we all rely on our worldview to make decisions about those things. And sometimes good people who believe what I believe about Jesus still believe differently about, than I do in a bunch of other areas. And when that happens, I'm supposed to fall back on my Christian worldview and treat people the way that Jesus would. But instead, sometimes I just really want people to think the way that I think about whatever it might be. People think differently than me. And so we tend to avoid one another. We tend to avoid one another. I surround myself instead with people who think like me, look like me, dress like me, act like me. I avoid people who don't think like me. More and more, I find that people are frustrating. People are frustrating. People frustrate me because they don't do what I would do. They, why, why can't they understand? Why can't they just see the world the way I see it? Why can't they just do the thing the way I would do it? Why won't they just listen to me? The more people frustrate me, the less I want to do with people. Entire groups of people are being written off more and more in my mind because they are so frustrating to me. No matter how much I try to reason or explain or share my side, they don't change. And that is frustrating. 
Then there's the people who I do agree with their ideology, but not their methods. And that really frustrates me. Or there's people who are close to me who just don't listen to me. Or people who don't listen to me, but want me to listen to them. People are frustrating. And so we tend to think less of one another. We tend to think less of one another. I elevate me over them because they frustrate me. And the more we go down that road, we find people offend me. I have a hard time with people in this season because people keep offending me. People offend me, and so we hate one another. Maybe it's a lot of small things. A neighbor who just keeps doing things that frustrates you. A family member who believes the opposite of literally everything you believe. Someone who thinks differently than you. And so you began to argue your beliefs and that led to frustration, which led to offense, which led you to hate. Maybe it's a group of strangers, one particular stranger, somebody you've never met, coworkers, family members. It could be somebody you barely knew or it could be somebody that you once trusted. You know, the people that we trust have the capacity to hurt us the most. This is the problem with people. And the world is full of people who are avoiding one another, thinking less of one another, and hating one another. But as followers of Jesus, we've been called to a different way. You, you can find the details to that pretty much anywhere in the Bible. Let's look at Paul's words to the church in Rome. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. It says, don't just pretend to love others. As a church, we need to hear that sometimes, don't we? Don't just pretend to love others. Don't we sometimes, because we know we're supposed to love people, don't we just pretend? Throw on in the deep south, this is a real thing. That nice smile which fades away to a grimace as soon as they turn the corner. The melting face phenomenon. People uh, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. We mix this up sometimes with hate who is wrong. And Paul says, hate what is wrong. You are supposed to stand up against things. There are issues and, and things that happen and things that we are supposed to hate. Things that are wrong, we should not support. We should not condone. We should not turn our eyes from. We should not ignore. We should hate things that are wrong. We should not hate people who are wrong. There is a big difference. Hate what is wrong, not who is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And always be eager to practice hospitality. And then he says, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who frustrate you. Bless those who offend you. Bless those who think differently than you. Bless those who put that comment up on your page on Facebook. Bless those who can't help but make a, a little snide remark every time you say something at the family table. Bless. 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 Don't curse them. 
and pray that God would bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I wonder how much of our problems with people around us are rooted in pride. We're, we're too proud to listen. Too proud to hear. Too proud to try to understand who they are. The world that they're coming from. Their worldview. Too proud to listen. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. And do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. People are our priority. People are our passion. People are our mission. We don't work hard to live in peace with everyone because we are people pleasers. And the Bible never calls us to be people pleasers. In fact, it's the opposite. Because we follow Jesus, we know that we will never make everybody happy. We know that there will always be people who oppose us. There will always be people who try to persecute us, who come up against us. If we follow Jesus well, we will not be people pleasers. But we should work hard to be at peace with people, to care for people, to love people, to go out of our way to serve people. To let go of our pride so that no matter who they are, we can still honor people. We are called to make disciples out of the people of all nations. In Mark, the last thing Jesus says is go and make disciples of the people of all nations. That means even people who look and think nothing like us. Even people who disagree with us. Even people who hate us. Our job is to bring the message of Jesus to all people. In the New Testament, there are 97 verses that tell us to blank one another. They, they give these commands about how we should treat one another, what it looks like to live in community with one another. They're simple instructions on how we should interact with people. And none of them say to avoid one another, think less of one another, or hate one another. Instead, they break it down into a few categories. I want to talk about this cat, these categories and learn a few of these one another's today so that we can start to learn and live as the people of God. See, as the people of God, we cannot treat people the way that the world treats people. We've been called to one another, one another. Maybe it's been hard for you to choose joy in this season because of people. People have been getting in the way of all your joy. You, you want to have joy, but that, that person uh, keeps frustrating you in your life or, or those people or, or the person on the news or whatever it is, and it's stealing all your joy. And I think if we could just learn how to one another one another and follow some of these simple instructions on how to care for people, how to interact with people, what we're supposed to do for people, if it might become easier for you to choose joy even in a season like this one. We are called to number one, serve one another. We're called to serve one another. Jesus says a lot about how we are supposed to serve people and to care for others, even over ourselves, and how we're supposed to love our enemies. And many of us are familiar with those things that Jesus said, those teachings. But what I love about Jesus 
is that he never just gave a command. He always gave a command and an object lesson. He always would tell his followers to do something and then he would physically do it. Give him a little example of what it looks like. Jesus talks about serving others and he talks about loving your enemies and the greatest object lesson he gives us to that comes in John chapter 13. He's entering the upper room for the last supper. He's got a lot on his mind. He's fully aware at this point that tonight Judas is going to betray him to have a horrible death on a cross. He knows. And as he walks into that upper room, he knows. You know, hard circumstances often make us withdraw from people. And they often make us feel like we have a ticket to be mean to people. When our circumstances stink, we think it's kind of okay for at least a little while to be a little stinky. We think it's all right to go around with a crude attitude because things have been bad for me. So you know what? You can't expect me to be in a good mood today. Jesus is about to have one of the most difficult night. He is about to have the most difficult night of his life. And before he does, he's going to have this dinner and he walks into this room and his attitude is very different than how you or, my, you or I might have acted. The way of Jesus is different. John 13, 1 says, It was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knew. He, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Judas already had made up in his mind. He'd already made the deal. He already knew where he was going tonight. He knew what he was going to do. And Jesus knew as well. And he gets up and he wraps this towel around his waist. And he gets down on his hands and his knees and he grabs Judas's dirty, stinky feet and he washes them. He serves the same person who is opposing him, who hates him, who is turning him over to his death. This is how we are called to live. In fact, in verse 14, Jesus says, wash one another's feet. If you want to choose joy, this is the way. See, hating people steals your joy. Getting even steals your joy. Resentment steals your joy. Avoiding people stifles your purpose, which steals your joy. But serving people restores your joy. And we don't serve people as a way to make things right. We serve people because we were made for this. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. It's true that the grace of God has already forgiven every sin you've ever done. That the way that you treat people is forgiven already in the blood of the cross. You have freedom, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh because you will be miserable. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This is what freedom looks like. Serve one another humbly in love and you will be able to find joy. When you release that resentment, that hatred, that getting someone back, when you start to just serve the people, even the people who have wronged you, when you get on your knees and start to wash their feet a little bit, 
something happens, the hold that that resentment had over your heart starts to release. The cage that was built around your heart by that burden of anger is open wide. When we begin to serve one another humbly in love, we get to really experience the freedom that Jesus died to give us. Second thing, serve one another and accept one another. Accept one another. Accept. There are people in this world who you, you cannot change. There are people in this world who think differently than you, who believe different things, who act different ways, who may frustrate you. And you may not be able to do anything about it. Accept one another. Sometimes people are different than you. Sometimes they believe differently, look differently. And that can make a, a struggle for us to show love to that person or have any kind of relationship with that person. The early church experienced this a lot. Paul spent most of his ministry outside of the Jewish world, bringing the gospel to the Greeks and the Romans. But there were Jews living in those places as well. And when he would bring this gospel that came from a Jewish Messiah, it would be a kind of a tension that would build between those two groups of people. Paul saw it often. He was always trying to create unity in that. These two people, the Gentiles, those who were not Jewish, and the Jews had completely different worldviews which led to tension and disagreement and all kinds of trouble. So he wrote a lot about how they should still love each other and accept one another. And in Romans 15 is one of those passages. And he says, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with one another, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. And then all of you can join together in one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. Accepting someone doesn't mean you agree with them. Accepting someone doesn't mean that you see the world the same way that they do. It means that you make the choice to love them anyways, and you make the decision to care for them and serve them and accept them and love them instead of opposing them. And Paul makes the argument that you make that, point, you make that choice because really you, you have to. Because if you're a follower of Jesus then that means at some point you accepted the free gift of Christ that he died to give you before you ever saw things through his worldview. Before you ever apologized. Before you even stopped sinning. Before you tried to find freedom. Before you went to make things right. Before any of it. When your sin had set you up as an enemy of God, he died for you. And he also died for the person who thinks differently than you now. He also died for the person who may even oppose you. And so we are called to love the way that he's loved us. I'll come back to that thought. In Romans 15, 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Only God can change the hearts of people. Trust Him to do it and release that from your heart and you can be filled completely with joy. The last thing is this. Love one another. 
Love one another, love one another. There are 97 one another's. And they're great. Say things like, be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Wait for one another. Don't bite, devour, or consume one another. Cannibalism is frowned upon in the Bible. Don't boastfully challenge one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving to one another. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Seek good for one another. Don't complain against one another. Serve one another. Give preference to one another in honor. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility towards one another. Bear one another's burdens. Speak truth to one another. Comfort one another. Pray for one another. All of these are actual Bible verses. Send me an email and I'll send you all the, all the references that you want. But out of all these things to do for one another, one third of 97 say love one another. 31 times in the New Testament, it says love one another. This life is messy and people are difficult. Sometimes people are wrong. Sometimes people hurt us. Sometimes people hurt others. Sometimes people won't listen. Sometimes they don't, they don't care about how you feel and that hurts. It's frustrating. People, people are hard. Every time I get together with a group of pastors, we always laugh and talk about how people are the hardest part of ministry. How ministry would be so much easier just without any people. But you know, then we remind ourselves that without people, we would be miserable. Because even with all the fighting and the arguing and the disagreements and people not listening to one another and people not caring about my feelings or, or me not caring about their feelings and just wanting to be here, despite all of it, we were made to serve one another. We were made to be in community with one another. We were made to complement one another in our giftings. We were made to love one another the way that we've been loved. It says in 1 John 4 verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And the main point that I want to make is that our choices, our actions, our thoughts, and our words made it impossible for us to get to heaven, to be in relationship with God, to get close to God, to get near God. But despite all that, even though we were so frustrating. And I, 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 I teach the Old Testament a lot because I love the Old Testament. I love the story of humanity and God because people are so frustrating to God. They never listen. We never listen. We do the same dumb things over and over. We oppose God over and over. We choose our selfish desires over Him and what He knows is best for us. 
over and over and over again. The Old Testament is full of these stories. But every single time we frustrate God, oppose God, offend God, he steps up and says, I love you. And I'm going to make a way for us to be in relationship together. And the way that he loved us is how we are called to love others. It's hard. Maybe it's impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Maybe it's impossible if you're not constantly connected to the vine. If you're not in this, if studying God's word and in prayer every single day, maybe it's impossible. But if he lives in you, you can do through him what he has always done for you. And that is despite the way people offend you, the way that they hurt you, the way they oppose you, the way they think differently than you, you can continue to find a way to love them and create a relationship with them. Because that is the way of Jesus. And it's the way we've been called to live. God didn't wait for our explanation. He didn't wait for us to come around to his side. He just loved us first. He said, not because, the pastor says, not because we loved him, but because he loved us. I think if we can just take a glimpse of that and learn to love people because of the way God loved us, if we can reach out and people that, that are so different than us, look different than me, think different than me, believe differently than me, maybe even vote differently than me, if I could just love those people, serve those people, care for those people, do ministry to those people, show up when they're in need, check in on and find out how they've been doing in this season, no matter what, what kind of offenses I've got against them, if I could learn to release it, to forgive them, and to move closer to who God has called me to be by loving them regardless, I wonder how much easier it would be for you to choose joy in this season. It would be impossible for people to bring you down if you approach them from a posture of humility and service and love. And joy would be that much more available to you. We can choose joy even when our circumstances are bad. We can choose joy even when people oppose us. We can choose joy in a season of stress and strain and frustration. But it begins the same way that our relationship began with God. By somebody saying, I'm going to choose to love one another first. I'm going to choose to love. I'm going to choose to serve. I'm going to choose to be humble. I'm going to choose to care. I'm going to choose to accept. And then we can choose joy. If you're in here today, if you're watching wherever you are, alone in a group of people, and, and you have always struggled with people and this season is worse than ever and you're tired of the exhaustion that it brings. You're tired of feeling always like you're on the attack, always on the offensive. You're just worn out by people. I wonder if today you could just take one moment to look inwardly at yourself first. I believe there's one decision that you can make that will change everything for you, that will make joy a possibility for you peace, satisfaction, fulfillment, a possibility for you. If you enter into a, a relationship with Jesus today, you have access to all of this. You can do it. We want to lead you in that journey to find freedom. And so if that's you today, would you just say this prayer with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
Heavenly Father, I give myself to you. I, I, I Forgive me, God. I've been trying to do this on my own for too long and I can't do it any longer. I need you, Lord. And so I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I believe in you and I will follow you with all that I am from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.